Hallelujah. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. Anybody else want to testify? Got a testimony. Want to share? Y'all can be seated. <clears throat> I heard of a testimony today that a, a young boy, they found a young boy in a what he described was a cooler, but I think the gentleman that was telling me the story got mixed up. I don't think it was a cooler as much as it was a freezer. And he had gotten into the, or they found him in the freezer. And they asked the little boy, they said, did your mama or your dad put you in here? And he said, no, a man with white hair and wings put me in here. People say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's fine. But a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. And I'm telling you that I wrote down, <clears throat> I wrote it down the other day, and I said, it takes more effort to try to quench the light than it does to let it shine. It takes more effort. You ever tried to conceal a flashlight? Just a flashlight. You ever tried to conceal just a, uh, just a flashlight? It's tough. Much less a Q-beam. Or now they got these flash. Morse has got one of the flashlights. It's like, you know, 5,000 candle power. You end up burn a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> and so we were at, when Casey's house caught on fire, I had my little flashlight that I bought and I was proud of and I was flashing it up and all of a sudden the light of the knowledge of the glory of God was shown and I go, man, what is this thing? <laughs> but it's hard to conceal light. It takes more effort. It takes more effort to disbelieve than it does to believe. Now, it may not seem like that because we're bombarded and we're influenced by religion and the atmosphere of the world all around us. But the more that you and I engage in kingdom activities and we engage ourselves from the place where which we actually live and we begin to live out of heaven and we begin to live out of our spirit and we begin to walk in the supernatural, the things of the spirit will become more easily uh, attainable to us than the things of the natural. In other words, we'll spend... Uh, there are some times, and I'm trying to make this last long, but there are times in my life or seasons during a, a week or seasons at times during a month where I'll go hours and sometimes maybe even a day or two without even realizing, without even recognizing that you really have a body. You know what I mean by that? When I say, you know, your body's always kind of talking to you. I'm hungry, I'm hurting, I'm tired. It seems like that is prevalent in our in our world but we can get to such a degree to such a place where we walk and we live out of our spirit and our body becomes subject to our spirit more consistently and so I just wanted to share that with you that sometimes we hear stories like that and the first thing we think is oh, I don't know about all that where does that come from that's the enemy trying to quench that light he's trying to quench that light we have more well, I don't know. I don't think Trump is going to win. Well, President Trump did win, despite what the media tried to do. And now the world has less, uh, now you're seeing the world with less uh, confidence in the media than they did because they're seeing the reality. And what it was, what it did for us, for believers, was it proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter how much money you got, no matter how much influence you yield, you cannot stop the people of God from praying and causing things to happen in, in our nation. Anyway, somebody say, well, did you vote for Trump? Yeah, I did. But it doesn't mean I respect or disrespect the others any more or any less. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road as much as I want to jump in it. John chapter 1. So tonight I wanted, we're going to kind of start going down this road. Part of what we've been doing on Wednesday nights is re-establishing the vision, relaying, solidifying, taking a look at the foundation, examining the foundation. 
vision. We've been talking about vision a little bit and this, that, and the other. Ramping up to kind of get ready for some things coming up pretty soon as far as vision casting. But I can't go any further. I can't talk about anything else. I can't move another step, it seems like, in my spirit without talking about the Word. And I'll tell you why in a minute. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not understand it, could not overcome it, it could not comprehend it, it could not defeat it. If there's one thing about light, you cannot overcome. Darkness will never, you're never supposed to say never, darkness will never overcome light. Because the very definition of darkness is to be devoid of light. And so when light shows up, darkness flees. You could go a million different directions with this. But if in the beginning was the Word, <clears throat> then that means that the Word was at the start. It was at the beginning. So that means at the beginning of your life, the beginning of your day, the beginning of your week, the Word is at the beginning. If you let the Word be at the beginning, it is already at the beginning. It was at the beginning. It was there, done that, got the t-shirt, the tattoo and everything. It was there. And so at the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. That tells me that the foundation of everything that we see and everything that we experience and everything that we re read and everything that we encounter begins with that book you have in your hand, which is the manifestation of Jesus Christ in Word form. And Jesus, it says that He became flesh... It says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man became a witness to bear witness. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light, that which was true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as have received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe him, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Such a powerful, powerful passage. Tell me, why is it so hard to read the Bible? Why is it? You ever thought about that? Why is it, is it, why is it so difficult to get somebody to read the Bible? You can get them to read Harry Potter. You can get them to read Fifty Shades of Grey. You can get them to read the Wall Street Journal. You can get them to read Cosmopolitan. You can get them to read GQ. You can get them to read Men's Fitness, Men's Health, Men's, 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 Women's, Women's, Women's. You can get them to read all that. But it's like they don't want to read the Bible. And they come up with all excuses. Well, I can't. Well, you read all this other stuff. Why can't we read the Word? Why can't we become students of the Word? Because the enemy has had such a good, successful job at distancing ourselves from the reality that the Word is the main thing. It is the thing. It is the, excuse me, it is the beginning. It is that which life proceeded out of. It is that which was manifest and became flesh and dwelt among us. It is the Word. Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He came and fulfilled the very thing that they had written about him 2,000, 4,000 years earlier. He came and fulfilled every one of those prophecies. That's powerful. But, but what's amazing is the number one selling book in history, the number one selling book of all time is guess what? The Bible. When you... If, if the Word was with God and the Word was God, then that means the two are inseparable. That means to have the Word is to have God. 
to live in the Word is to live in God. To let this Word be a lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path is to let God have be the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. When you hear a word, you can be confident because you know that in the beginning was the word. So when you receive a word from the Lord, even though you should take this job is not in the Bible, the word that you get will, will confirm what's in the word and they will agree because the Bible says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we know that the Spirit of God is never going to contra go contrary to the word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, the word. People say, people said to me, well, you always talk about the word. Well, I mean, what else is there? Opinion? Opinions are like, everybody's got one. And your opinion is subject to your perception and the amount of light and understanding that you have about the subject that's being uh, one of my, uh, Dad Hagen used to say that an opinion, no, what would he say? He would say that a, uh, oh, he would say that your, um, your opinion is based on, uh, your philosophy is an opinion based upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. In other words, your, your philosophies are subject to your experiences. They're subject to your knowledge. They're subject to your education. A five-year-old's knowledge of the workings of an automobile is going to be different than a 40-year-old's knowledge of the workings of an automobile, even though... The five-year-old may be absolutely wrong, but they believe they're right because they're filtering it through their subjectivity. And to have a life and to have a philosophy and to have something that is solely based upon someone's physical organ called the brain, that's just ignorance gone to seed. We all have to have a solid foundation of some sort, and the Word of God provides that foundation. I've been challenged and I endeavor to challenge people they say well I don't believe that it's God's will to whatever fill in the blank well can you prove it through the word of God no well then why would you expect me to fall in line with what you just said when you can provide no proof other than your experience let me say it this way We've got to get to the place and to the point in our lives where we allow our experiences and what we think we know to become secondary to what the Word of God says, no matter what. No matter what. Because if, if we believe that the Word of God is true and it's foundational and it is what it says it is, then we have to base our life upon it and we have to expect that our experiences and our life will begin to rise up to the level of the Word's explanation of what happens in our lives. I was talking to somebody. I was talking to two people today. This is the second time I've had this happen today. The first time was talking to someone who has been diagnosed with lymphoma, cancer in his lymph nodes in his throat as a result of a tonsil. They found it because he had his tonsils taken out and they found the cancer. And when I went there, he had his head shaved. And I said, man, what? you shaved your head. And he was like, well, I let my daughter. He's got a seven-year-old daughter who shaved his head so she wouldn't have to see daddy's hair falling out as a result of the chemotherapy and the radiation. And he began to tell me about, you know, the story. And he's 44 years old. He's four years older than I am, 44 years old, being diagnosed with this. And he was already skinny to begin with, but he's lost a lot of weight. He's working through these things. And so I was just checking my heart the whole time, listening to him. Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to lay hands on him? You want me to pray for him? What do you want me to do? And I felt like the Lord began to prompt me to ask him some questions. So I asked him some questions. You know how his treatment was this? He said, man, I'm just tired. He said, the treatment affects my brain. The treatment affects my hands and my feet. My hands and my feet are cold all the time. 
And he began to just talk about this. And he said, but, he said, you know, what are you going to do? This is life. And so what you do is you just ride this bull till you either ride it or it bucks you off. And so I said, well, let me ask you this. I was trying to figure out a non-religious way, you know, to package this question. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Your, your church folks, your church body, they've, they've come around you and supported you. He said, yeah, they've supported me greatly. And I said, well, what about, what about healing? I mean, do, do you believe? Do you feel like? He said, oh, yeah, I, I believe that that could happen. I said, well, check that one off. You know, that's positive. And so then, so I left his office. I left that, I left that office, and I was driving, and I said, Lord, there's got to be a way. There's got to be something we can do. And I've been praying about these things for a while. And so me and April were talking. We got to talking about it. And so it just kind of got bigger. And she said, you ought to ask them. Because I was going to survey y'all and ask you without telling you what I was thinking about. But what would you think if I told you that we were going to be praying about starting something during the week? to where we offer counseling and ministry to people who are going through things to come here and pray for them and sit down with them and see if we can't help them from the Word of God. Would that be something that you would be able to help with? In other words, you could come and you could help you know, make refreshments or you could come and you could help minister and pray. Because listen to me, the, 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 uh, I can't guarantee that a manifestation of the Spirit according to 1 Corinthians, is going to show up and we're going to be able to manifest healing every time. But one thing I can guarantee, I can guarantee somebody getting healed every time when they get the Word of God in them. Because the Word works every time. But you and I are in a battle to try, we're competing with TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and every other form of device and every other form of influence in people's lives and it is almost impossible to get someone from point A to point B without absolutely saturating their life with the Word of God. Would that be something that you'd be interested in being a part of? What do I mean? I mean I got to thinking about this and then I went to a birthday party um, to a birthday party and the, the girls were playing or whatever. And I got to talking with this lady and she began to share with me about her husband. And her husband's been diagnosed with some things. And so, but now she's spirit-filled. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She's been filled. But they came out of a more traditional church and she began to talk about him and how he believes and he loves the Lord. But he may only spend one hour a week watching somebody like Joseph Prince. Won't read, doesn't like to read. He just watches the news. And he was, he's retired, but he was involved with uh, in banking, and he was very successful, and people would come to him all the time demanding and asking questions. And so he got his significance and a lot of his worth from that. And so she said, this is what she said, she said he watches CNN and watches the news and Fox and all that so he can at least feel like he's engaged in major things that are happening. And I said, you tell him that I said that what he's watching on TV is a manifestation of kingdom business. Nothing else. That when he sees these things happening in the earth, it's because the kingdom of God is in operation. You can't be a part of something more bigger than that. And I said, you tell him I said, because she's tried to encourage him. And I said, I got a book I want you to read. And she said, he won't read it. I said, well, you just tell him I asked him to read it. Just try it. I mean, my God, what have you got to lose? It's like, well, I just, I just don't want, I, diets don't work. Well, it's either you diet or you die. So why not diet, right? We've all, I mean, we may not have all been there to that degree, but we've been there where we've got to make a decision. It's either you live with it. Or you do something to change it. What have you got to lose? And I said, he's got nothing to lose. And the book is Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. Fantastic, phenomenal book. One of the most phenomenal books I've ever read on healing because it takes an argumentative lawyer standpoint and it goes point by point all the way down and it takes everybody's arguments against healing and cuts it up like Swiss cheese. F.F. F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer. 
And so I said, if you can get him to get himself saturated, go on a 30-day fast. Don't watch no TV, CNN, Fox, none of that. Get your news from a newspaper and limit it to an hour a week. So five minutes a day, ten minutes a day. And I said, saturate him with Joseph Prince, with Joel Osteen. My God, if you are discouraged, you need to watch some Joel Osteen. Boy, he'll make you feel like you can run through that wall. People say, well, I don't like Joel Osteen. Well, fine. I do. Let him watch, you know, Andrew Womack. Let him watch some of these major guys that are out there. I said, get him to read his Bible. Get him to study that thing. Get him to do that for 30 days. And after 30 days, tell me he won't be different. And she said, I've tried. I said, well, then you tell him, because I know him. I said, you tell him, I said, to try it. What has he got to lose? you got nothing to lose. But I'm telling you that we are saturated and bombarded by the God of this world, little g. And in order for us and people around us to see fruit, we've got to press in to a deeper level of immersing ourselves into the kingdom of God like never before. Not for the purpose of having it here, but to take it out. To where we manifest the presence of God. And the more she asked me questions, the more I gave her. I wasn't pushing, but she kept asking and I kept talking. She said, he needs somebody to tell him. And she said, you would tell him blunt, straight up. And I said, I would if he was here. And I said, but you could tell him I said, it's fine. go on, tell him I said, get here. Tell him I said, do this. He's got nothing to lose. I'll do it with him. You tell him to email me, call me, come meet with me. I'll help him any way that I can. Because if we're not going to engage, people, people need to be taught. <clears throat> How many of you believe that we're all called to be teachers? I got one amen on that one. You got to, okay, how many of you believe we're called to be teachers? Yes. See if I can find it. That's where that is. I think I got it. This is not in my notes. That's why I'm looking for it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm trying to engage you. I'm trying to get you, all of us really, to see... That there's more. Now listen, this has, I'm not going to go against, uh, I believe in church. I believe in Sunday mornings. I believe in Wednesday nights. But I also believe in Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. In other words, there's a place in the lifestyle of a believer where Sunday morning church and Wednesday church fits in. And it's good. The challenge has been that the enemy keeps us immobilized by getting us framed in to just this place on Sundays and this place on Wednesdays and that's it. And that's a lie. Hebrews chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now who's he talking to? Is he talking to preachers, pastors, apostles? Prophets, teachers, evangelists? No, he's talking to the church. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Stop right there. He said teach you again. In other words, by this time, you should be teaching her, I'm just using an example, the first principles of the oracles of God. What are the first principles of the oracle God? What are the foundations of a believer's life? Someone walks in off the street and says... I just saw y'all's light on a bunch of cars and I want to give my life to Jesus. The first thing that people think in their mind in church is, glory to God, I'm excited about that. Now he'll have to meet with the pastoral staff to get born again, I mean, to, to grow in his relationship with the Lord. 
that will be part of the process. But your, your learning, my learning comes so much of the time outside of the, 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 the nuts and bolts of us learning come outside of these four walls or six walls. <laughs> In other words, he said, by now you ought to be teachers, but you have need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You can exercise your senses to discern both between good and evil. A baby can't. A baby doesn't know that a stove that's red is hot. Until it puts his hand on that stove and his body reacts to the heat and tells his brain, let's not do that again. In the spiritual realm, it works the same way. Now what's that got to do with the Word? Because the Word of God is what feeds you and me. It strengthens us. It, it is what gives us the ability to grow into the things that God's called. It, it, is what, it is what causes us to grow and become mature. But he said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Every one of you. I'm going to say it with all boldness. Every one of you need to be teachers. On some level. Every one of you need to be teachers. You need to be pulling somebody into your house, sitting them down at your table for breakfast, and talking to them about their daily life and helping them walk through things in their life. Every one of you. And the only way to do that is through the Word. You and I have to demonstrate and show them the light of the Word of God because they don't know if they've never seen it. People who have never been... I take for granted sometimes the rich heritage that I have been blessed with. But I, I cannot even begin to identify with somebody who doesn't believe that it's God's will to heal. I don't even know how. <laughs> I have to believe God to help me because that's like saying, man, doesn't need oxygen. You, you see what I'm saying? The Bible says that man shall not live. Jesus said man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That tells me that your body craves something other than food. Your body was designed and created with a hunger that food will never satisfy. That tells me that your body will never live on food alone. That's strong. That's strong as nine acres of garlic right there. So you and I are trying to live our life by eating the right things, seeing the right things, hearing the right things, and exercising in the right form or fashion, but never reading the Word are destined to never live a fulfilled life. He said man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word, every word. The word provides something in our life that food cannot satisfy. It's fellowship. First John, because it's the same author of John, the book of John is the gospel of John, the apostle John, also wrote First John. So you go to First John, and this is what he says. First John, chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and, have, and heard we declare to you that, also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Christ Jesus. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So he said, that which we've heard from the beginning is the word of life. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So what did he say in John? He said that the light was the life and the light of men. The cure for darkness is the word. Or another way to say it, the cure for darkness is Jesus Christ, which was the Word, which is the Word. And he said this, listen to this, he said, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Fellowship comes from the Word. It comes from feeding on God's Word. You want to know God? You want to fellowship with God? You've got to feed upon... You and I have to quit reading the Word as if it's a book and approach it as if it's a person. It's one thing to read about somebody that you've never met. It's a whole other thing to read about somebody that you're in relationship with. And so now when I read the Word and I read something, I said, that's, that's you. That's you. God delights. He has no greater joy than to help, wanting to the desire to help you and me figure out life and fix our problems. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. And his word is one of the major tools that he uses to help us fight the battles that we have to fight and the struggles that we have to struggle with. It brings him great joy for us to say, Father, help me. I need your help. And lean into him. Boy, that just makes his day. Yeah, Those again, promises are to me. And, and so I've, I, I'm starting to read passages where it says us or you. I'm putting Morris Gurr right there in the middle of that, that passage. And I, I tell you, it's just changing my way of thinking about uh, not only what I feel about him being the, the God of creation and, and the light of the world and the light in me. But it, it changes what I think of myself because mm -hmm. of what he is saying about me. Mm -hmm. The word of God was written to you. It was addressed to you. When he wrote it, when he penned it, when he moved upon the hearts of men to pen it, he had Teresa in his mind. He had Geneva in his mind. He had Larry in his mind. He had all of us in his mind when he wrote that. And John is trying to articulate and express to the believers. He said, listen, that, that which we have heard and, and we declare to you, we're declaring it so you can have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So we're sharing this with you so you can come and have fellowship with Him just like we are. And He said, and I'm writing to you that your joy. You've been sold a bag of goods, a bag of lies that says that the Christian life is supposed to be a defeatist life. And that is so contrary 
to what His plan and His purpose. We should be the generation. We should be the ones that are formidable against the government. Not against in a bad sense, but I mean, we should, you know, churches used to be in the center of the town. First Baptist, go downtown. It's the center of town. Preachers, pastors used to be the most influential people in the marketplace, and now we're not. Why? Because we started going to the outskirts of town. And then we sold our soul to the IRS so we could get a non-profit status, which cut our legs out from underneath us. Because now we live in a day and age where some ministries and pastors and organizations are scared to say and stand up for the truth of God's word that fear that they might lose their nonprofit status and have to start paying taxes. As if the Lord's going to go, boy, that's going to stretch us there, guys. <laughs> if the worst thing that happens is we lose our nonprofit status. Just have to go get a fish. If all, let me say it this way, let me, let, let, me, let me change gears. If all things were made through Him, then that means all things continue to respond to Him. And I said to this lady, I said, I'm going to point at you as if you're her God. I said, if you can get Him to immerse Himself into the Word and begin to declare the Word of God, begin to pray in tongues. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that when we pray in an unknown tongue, we edify ourselves. That word edify means to build up. Oh, yes, Jesus, we're building ourselves up in the Spirit. That's not, what, that's not the only meaning. It means to build the whole house. When you build a house, and I have just, and in the process of finishing building one, you don't just build and frame it up and that's it. There it is. There's all kind of parts to that house. And to say that praying in an unknown tongue or praying in the Spirit only builds the plumbing of a house is false. It's not, it's not that it's false. It's that it's not sharing the whole truth. And when you and I pray, I said, if you can use he filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, he prayed for it, but he never received it. I said, eh. If he prayed for it and he asked for it, the Father himself said, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more would your Heavenly Father give them the Holy Spirit that asked? It's not that he didn't receive it. It's that you got 40 years of mental gymnastics you got to go through to get to the revelation of what that really means. Because we expect the heavens to part, the earth to shake, and an angel come down and start moving our mouth. And that's not how it happens. That's not how it happens most of the time. I'm not saying it can't happen. And so I said, if you can immerse yourself, let's go back to the lady. If you can immerse yourself, get him to immerse himself, and you get him speaking God's word, it will change his body. Because all things were made by him. So that means that my wallet was made by him. So this letter... This leather at its molecular structure responds to what? That's why Jesus walked up to the fig tree and said, curse you. And it had no choice but to what? And the disciples go, oh boy, he's talking to trees now. But when they came by the next day, it said that they saw and noticed that the fig tree had dried up from the roots. Why did it dry up from the root and not the top? Because when Jesus speaks, when you and I speak to something, boy, I ain't never said this before, I'm about to shout. Because when you and I speak to the word of God to something, it doesn't speak to the effects of a thing, it speaks to the source of a thing. That's why when you speak to your finances, you may not see the manifestation of what you spoke in five minutes. But you keep your foot on the gas and you'll begin to see the manifestation dry up from the root because that's where the source of life. You cut a tree in half, what's it going to do? 
It's going to start growing. I mean, I've seen trees cut off from the base, that much sticking out the ground. And then you see a little tree limb sticking out with a little leaf. It's like, look, Bubba, we're going back up. But you take that tree out. There is no tree that we took out from the roots when we built our house that is growing in the middle of our house. Why? Because we took the root out. We took the source of life out of the ground. And when you and I speak to a thing and we speak the word of God, it affects that thing on a molecular level. So when you pray in an unknown tongue, You edify yourself. That means you speak to yourself on a molecular level. See, I can't understand why people don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She said to me, this is what she said. She said to me, he doesn't see any benefit from it. I said, that's because he doesn't know anything about it. It's like saying there's no benefit to the jet propulsion lab. Because you don't know anything about it. You don't know that the Jet Propulsion Lab is the one who created rocket science as we know it. And every time we launch a rocket, we thank them. That and WD-40. Which had no practical application when it was designed. But now we use it. So what am I saying? I'm saying to you that the Word of God is more than just the Word of God. It's more than just a Bible. It's more than just scriptures. It's more than just a book. It's a person. And that person desires relationship with us. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 14, would lead and guide us in all this truth. So not only did he give us the truth, but he gave us one to help us navigate through the truth. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God. How are you going to tell me that that's not beneficial? For no one understands him. That's because God's on a level of understanding that we're having to re-engage with. See, when Adam was on the earth, he understood God. But when sin entered, it began to cloud his judgment. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I want you to do this for me. Next time you're sick, pray in tongues. I'm serious. You take NyQuil. You eat chicken soup. I mean, the, the, one of the worst times I can remember being sick, I won't go into details, but it was one of those where you're hugging and clenching at the same time because you don't know what direction or where the source is going to come from. And every time I'd take a breath, I'd be like, oh, Lord, so cold. Because it, there's something about it that strengthens you. And so when you and I begin to immerse ourselves into this world of the kingdom, it begins to manifest. And listen to me, guys. We have the answer. You bring somebody into this church. You bring somebody into your home and set them down. And you spend an hour a week with them. I don't care what they're engaged in. I don't care what they say out of their mouth. I don't care what they do. If they come to your house and they want you to speak into their life and all you get is one hour a week, you will see change in their life. You may not see the change that you want to see. And you may not, they may not see the change, but it will affect their life. Because it's like saying you can't put a plant out in the sun and it not benefit from it. You put somebody in the light and they will get better. We expect, and we pray just about every Sunday, that every person that walks through those doors, actually we pray every person that drives on to this campus begins to instantly feel 
better. Why? Because when you come to my house, I'm in authority. And so you, you sickness demon, you got two options. Because I, you got two options. You can either shut up or you can leave. And actually, no, you have one option. Because we say every satanic demonic force has to stay right out there. Down there by the red light, they start sensing, oh, dear Jesus, we're coming over to that church. And when they walk in the door, we expect that every person begins to feel relieved. Now, what you do when you leave this place is up to you. But when you're here, we are in authority. And they'll hold on from time to time. And they'll just, I mean, just... But people come and they, they stay. And if they'll stay long enough, if they'll engage with their heart, and if they'll begin to implement what it is that God's doing, they'll see change in their life. We're in a battle. We're not in a battle to win. We're in a battle to maintain the position of rest that we've been given by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the fight of faith. We're not trying to get God to heal us. That's the first thing I try to address with people. I'm just praying that God will heal me. He ain't. Because he already has. He is. He's already had. What we need is the manifestation. We need the, the reality of what was accomplished at the cross. Listen to me. What was accomplished at the cross? Salvation was accomplished at the cross. So when someone says, I got saved, what are they saying? Jesus died all over again? What are they saying? I received what was paid for 2,000 years ago. It's the same thing with healing. It's the same thing with financial miracles in your life. You're, we're not trying to get God to rain down money from heaven on us because that would be counterfeit. We need the money and the system that's in place to begin to operate in our direction so that we can flow it out. That all The manifestation of that has not yet taken place, but if we'll stay with it and we'll continue to engage our faith, it will change the structure of the system that we live in. And that system is subject to God's system. And it's all because of the Word. Jesus said in John 11, listen to this. He said in John eleven twenty five. 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He is. I mean, I don't even understand sometimes things, but I just say in. I don't even, if I don't even understand it, I just start saying in the name of Jesus. Why? Because, man. Everything snaps to attention when you say his name. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Never die. Now, a few more minutes, right? Go to Ephesians. All right, Lord. Where are we going with this? I'm trying to make sure I don't jump too far ahead because I want to continue to lay this foundation. I want you and I to leave here with a greater understanding but a greater desire for the Word. I want us all to go home and go, man, I want to read me some Word. Because I want to know me some Jesus. Because that's where the power is. It's where the life is. It's where the sustenance is. People died and gave their life so that we could have this book. It's powerful. People died and gave their life so we could have that flag right there. I don't care what you think. We should salute and say pledge allegiance to the flag all day long. Why? Because of the men and the women that shed their blood for that flag, for you and me. Well, there is one. 
who shed his blood for us so that we might live. He himself, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. In every sense of the word. And we try to water this thing down to let's just hold on till Jesus comes back. And he's like, hold on. I left you every tool possible so that you could overcome till I get back. So that you could occupy and manifest the presence of God and the kingdom of God in this earth till I come back. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Contrary to popular belief, Brother Bill did not write this verse. Now to him who is able, underline that word able. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to, underline that, those two words, the power that works in us. You understand that ability can be present and power not be manifest. We see it in kids all the time. You got the greatest abilities. You got all the abilities in the world, but you never manifest success. You never manifest performance. You never manifest those principles in your life because of what? Because you never tap into them. God is able. There's no doubt. Now, everybody in the world, even a, even a believe, even an unbeliever will say, can God do anything? Oh, yeah, God can do anything. Well, I don't have time to go into it, but not really. I mean, in one sense of the word, no, you can't. He can't do anything. Because if he could do anything, he would save us. He would make sure that we're saved, and he can't because he can't violate your free will. So God can't do everything. He can't do anything. He can do all things, but he can't do everything. But even an unbeliever, he can't go against his own word because then he'd be a liar. And the fabric of time and the universe would come unraveled. Because God can't lie. It's not that he won't. He can't. I mean, you can, and you may not lie. But he can't lie. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. What? According to the power that works in us. There is something in us. Me and April were sitting on the, on the porch the day before we came and we were talking and she wasn't feeling good and I, we, ain't felt, we just haven't felt, I don't know how to describe it, just we haven't felt Good, You know what I'm saying? I don't mean like I don't feel good. I mean it just, and I said, sweetheart, I'm telling you, dear, we're not tapping it. We're not tapping into it. And she goes, I know. Not that we're in sin. I'm saying we as believers, we're not tapping into it. We, we've not tapped into everything that's in. We're still too fleshly minded. We're still too carnally minded. We're still too in tune with the world system and the way that it operates. We still have yet to engage our faith. If you have a bill that's due right now today or tomorrow and you don't have enough money, what is your first thought? Because that will give you an indication as to where your faith and where your heart is. If you're sick, if you have a hurt, if you have a pain, if you have an ailment, and your first thought is, I need to go see the doctor or I need to get some medicine. I'm not saying that's wrong, but listen to what I'm saying. We bypass so much of what he says because we're, caught, we're all caught up with Everybody just going to raise your hand in the air and say, I've been caught up in it. Because if, right, if you need money and the first thing you think is, what can I sell or what can I buy or what can I borrow? That's the world system. What if money was no object? Do you think Bill Gates? Do you think President Trump sits around and goes, okay, how are we going to buy this business? 
The car breaks down. Do you think they're worried or concerned about where the money's going to come from? Why don't we think like that? That's my question. I'll leave you with that one to chew on. Why? Why is it the first response is always to run to the world system? Because we're not tap- we are not tapping in to everything that God has for us. We're not. I'm confronted with it on a daily basis, and I'm asking the Lord to purge it from me. I don't, I don't want to be subject to my flesh any longer. I mean in any arena. I want my flesh to be on a leash, and it does what I say when I say immediately, first-time obedience. And when it's disobedient, I punish it. All right, that's fine. Then we ain't going to eat tomorrow. We're going to fast and pray in tongues for four hours. You want to say something else? (laughs) How do you tame the tongue? You can't. Except by one thing. The Word of God. The message version says, Ephesians 3.20 says, instead of according to the power that works within us, it says, he does, he does it not by pushing us around, by working within us. He, he does it by pushing, by... He doesn't do it by pushing us around, by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. According to the power, according to the Holy Spirit that works. Now we know that his power is not just available to a select few. Elsewise he would be unjust. However, it must be responded to. We must respond. We must engage. We must activate that power. And how do we do it? By the word of God. Let me leave you with this. You ever notice how some people get darker in the summer than others? <laughs> I got another example too, but I'm saying my youngest, Brynn, she's four years old. Now we all tan. I mean, we can all get, boy, I could, you, if I got out in the sun long enough like I did when I was in college, and I was down there at the beach working outside on the golf course all day long. And all we did was just banana boat oil up. I mean, it would be hard for you to tell me and Earl apart. <laughs> but my four-year-old, she can go out in the sun for like 30 minutes and she's just tan. I'm talking about sweet-looking, gorgeous tan. All of us tan. So what's the difference between somebody who's real tan at the end of summer and somebody who isn't? What's the difference? They've been under the sun longer. All right, so if you come to eat at our house, if you leave hungry, it's your fault. Why? Because she's going to make sure there's enough food. More than enough. Exceedingly. Because one thing I don't like is that late on in the night when I want a snack and there ain't no pork chops left. <laughs> so she will always make sure that she cooks more than enough because you never know who's going to drop by or want to be able to have plenty to eat. But if you leave hungry, it's your fault. So what I'm saying to you is the same principle. We've got to activate. So the more, it's not a works. Don't Listen to me, it's not a works. It's not that you pray more or activate it more because you're working it. No, you're just influ- you're allowing yourself to be influenced by it more, which manifests that which has already been deposited in you. And you release that even more. You pray more. You spend more time in His Word. Guess what? You're going to be released more. If you feed kids candy all the time, what are they going to do? Bounce off the walls, right? 
What are they going to look like, Amy? So what do you do? You go get a medication? Stop feeding them all that junk. And I told her, I'll leave you with this. I told her this. I said to her, I said, listen, you tell him that he don't feed. I said, tell him to feed his body one meal a week. One hour a week is what you spend in the Word. And, what you, and you ain't even in the Word. You're listening to somebody else who's been in the Word talk about the Word. I'm not saying that ain't good. It's better than nothing. But you can't live off of somebody else's revelation. I tried it. And then when I got into Pack of Wolves and they started challenging everything in my life, when I was younger, I realized I need to learn this for myself. So I asked the Holy Spirit to teach me. He did. In a matter of three months, he taught me all the foundational things that I needed in my life. We feed our bodies three hot meals a day and our spirits one cold snack a week and we wonder why we're weak in faith. Because we're influenced by the world constantly. Well, that's where we're going to stop tonight. I'm going to put me a little mark right here where I'll know we pick right back up here next week. Huh? Is this helping you? I want to challenge you. I want to start. I want to start a regimen with everybody. I'm feeling led to move in this direction, but I want to start by giving people not just okay, we'll go read your Bible, but actually where we can all read together every day. Something. Even if it's just a chapter a day, Monday through Friday, whatever it is. We read something together every day. Gets everybody in the flow of reading the word digesting the word, and really getting into it, not just, okay, I read my word, check out. No, I mean, Lord, what are you saying? I was reading, uh, I was reading today out of Ecclesiastes. Same author as Proverbs. And I was reading today about wisdom. See, I got to go to my, I got 1%, so if I die, if my phone dies, it, it's not my phone. It was in the Bible app, you version, and it was, come on, hurry up. Ecclesiastes 7.9, there before it died. 7.9, do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Now that's just, I mean, how spiritual can you be? I mean, really, Pastor, you get your verse from a Bible app? No, I get one of them from a Bible app. I'll take it wherever I can get it. So what does it says? Do not hasten to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. I don't want to be foolish. It didn't say don't be angry. You see how revelation, you just meditate on it. How revelation starts to come. It didn't say don't be angry. Nowhere in the Bible does it say don't be angry. It just says be angry and sin not. So that means you can be mad and not sin. What does that look like? Well, you got to look in the Word. you got to study that thing out. Pictures. That's what it looks like. You can be angry. You can be looking like that and not be in sin. Do not hasten to be angry. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there's going to be a tendency for me to hasten to be angry. And I'm going to have to resist that urge. And then it says that anger rests in the bosom of fools. So if you see somebody who's always getting angry and always quick to be angry, then you know what rests in their bosom. Foolishness. Well, how do you get rid of foolishness? The Word of God. Is that helping you? Well, stand to your feet. We'll pray. 
foolishness. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to continue to open our eyes to this revelation. Lord, help us to have more of a hunger for your word. Help us to desire. How do we create How do we create hunger? We were talking about that earlier in the week in the staff meeting. We were talking about how do we create hunger? And I said, well, you can cook something up. That'll get people hungry. They smell something. So, Lord, I ask that you just cook something up for us. Your fragrance, your something in your word, maybe something tonight that I said in Jesus' name causes us to be like, mm, I want some of that. I want some more of that. That was good. You taste it and you experience it and you see it and then we want it more. Help us, Father. We give you permission to do that in our lives. We want to be hungry for you, for your word. We want to be passionate about what you're passionate about. We want to be angry what you're angry about. We want to cry what you cry about. We want to be compassionate towards those who you're compassionate toward. And we want to resist those, that, those things that you desire to resist. So help us. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us these things and guides us in these things. So we release our faith together to go home tonight, beginning tonight, beginning in the morning, to begin to study your word with a fresh passion, with a fresh heart, to cultivate a lifestyle of feeding on your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, you are dismissed. Y'all have a great, wonderful weekend. We'll see you Sunday.